Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. Hi, I'm David Gerber, an executive coach and partner at Novus Global. Today's bonus episode is from a conversation I had with Amanda Bochik on the podcast Built for Impact by Evergreen Results, a consulting agency dedicated to helping companies achieve their goals. In this episode, we'll discuss what it took me to fight through fear, shame, embarrassment, and failure to build a thriving coaching career. I'll take you back to the beginning of my coaching journey, diving into how my rage to master coaching kept me going, along with the work I do with people in prison and so much more. I hope you enjoy and check out Built for Impact linked in the description. I remember thinking I was super not fulfilled in my work. I was in a pretty, uh, probably one of the darker points of my life. And so luckily, again, I had that 1% of, of openness to it and did a four-month training. And then it kind of lit a fire in me. And, yeah. I, and I thought, I've got to figure out how to do this. And then I spent about four years fumbling my way through it. We could do a whole podcast on like all the mistakes I made the first four or five years. <laughs> and, and like, you know, really embarrassing ones. And there'd be nights where you just like, am I totally, am I about to be found out that I'm just terrible as a human? Do I have what it takes to do this? Will I ever be good at this? What really kept me motivated, uh, and I remember, you know, those give up points. And for me, there was just something burning inside of me that it just, this is what I have to do. This is like the soul's work. I have to find a way to make this work. From Evergreen Results, this is Built for Impact, a show about mission-minded entrepreneurs, founders, and leaders, and the stories behind the impact they're making. I'm Amanda Bosick, and on the show today, how David Gerber fought through feelings of fear, shame, embarrassment, and failure to build a thriving coaching career where he helps people live up to their fullest potential. This is a story about how he fought through the mess and the mud of these feelings that so many of us feel in order to reach his goals. Have you ever asked yourself, what am I doing? Who do I think I am? I bet I'm embarrassing my family. I know I've asked myself those questions. And these are also the questions that would flood David Gerber's mind as he was beginning his career in coaching. He had to learn how to overcome fear and embarrassment in order to build a thriving coaching business. Dave Gerber. Hello. You are a dear friend, and I am just thrilled because I'm so impressed and proud of everything you're doing and how you are making an impact on the world and people's lives. And because of the work you're doing, you have this unique opportunity to serve teams and companies and organizations as well as individual leaders and people. So that's a pretty cool responsibility that you have. Yeah, I'm, I'm beyond fortunate um, and blessed to be able to do what I do on a daily basis. Let's actually start by going backwards and yep. talk a little bit about how you grew up and what your experience was with leadership and entrepreneurship. What was that like for you growing up? Yeah, so uh, what what may be kind of interesting about it, so I didn't, I didn't really grow up in with a background of entrepreneurship. So my dad was in the military. And really enjoyed that and really admire my father and, and everything he did in that sense. 
so I didn't, the, the, one of the challenging things actually when I got into coaching was that I didn't have much of, of a business acumen. I, so I really had to learn, I had to learn how to coach and while simultaneously figuring out how do I uh, get a business license? How do I, I guess, put together a website or a brand, like marketing brand, like I had no, yeah. no idea, all that stuff. So that, it made the first three to five years really tough because yep. I was figuring everything out on the go. Yep. Yep. That's actually a really great point. And I think it's something that Oftentimes, a lot of us that are in the beginning stages of that dream, we have a dream for a a company or an organization, and we have a purpose to that dream, you know, a vision for how we're going to impact the world. But we, at that time, in those beginning stages, we don't think about all those things like, oh, accounting and bookkeeping (laughs) and marketing and, and there, there are so many skills. I'm sure this is what you experienced in those beginning stages, but there are so many skills that when you start something, you learn as you go. Yeah, absolutely. That can feel scary. It can feel overwhelming, but I'm sure that serves you well now when you're working and coaching other people. Yeah, it definitely does. Because I, I remember back to, you know, it, when you start a business, there's these different forms you got to fill out or or whatever it is. And it's like every form's like 150 bucks. And it's like 200 bucks. And it's like 75 bucks. And there's and then when you're first on a business off, you're like, well, yep. <laughs> I thought I had some savings and now just getting things off the ground. And then you're uh, like, you how know. many times do I have to pay taxes? <laughs> yeah, how often do I, yeah, how do I do this? And, you know, for the first few years, I would spend an entire three day weekend <laughs> doing my taxes. Yeah. So talk a little bit about how you got into coaching and now you coach with, you know, a group of partners and you speak, you know, you train teams as well. You do several different things all around this idea of coaching though, and and helping people reach their goals and reach their potential. How did you get to that point? Yeah. So the, there's a couple of different trajectories that I I feel like came together at at the same time. One was I, I had, even in even as early as high school and college, I I had a friend of mine who actually was a youth pastor uh, at a church I was going to at the time, who really invested in me and mentored me. And as a result of that, I, I remember one day it occurred to me like I could mentor people. I mean, I remember started mentoring junior high students and you know younger high school students at that time in my life, and I got so much joy and fulfillment from it. But it never really occurred to me that this is something I could do professionally. It was always mm-hmm. just. I thought it'd always be something I'd do with two people at a time while I was doing some other, other profession, and and so there was there was that trajectory that was kind of going throughout my early twenties, and then I was in my twenties. I ended up work starting to work in the IT world, and and as I would work in with all these companies, it became so apparent to me how how poorly companies operated culturally, mm-hmm. leadership development wise. Like the, yeah. the communication was so was just so stunted. It felt like it was. Oh, just we could not do a good. whole series on that, Dave. Yeah, like avoiding conflict and everybody's pissed at everybody. And I remember I said to a client one time, could you imagine not complaining for the next 30 days? And their <laughs> their first response was, I wouldn't have any friends at work. Because it, like, like because everybody formed around, around the water cooler and it was like, how do we complain? Uh. And, <laughs> and so as, when I was doing that IT job and I saw that, so this was about... 10 years ago so you know around 2010 time frame and I had just started to hear about this coaching world and it was kind of on the rise and a friend of mine actually had had gotten into it and, and he called me one day and he said you know I think you, you really I think you really enjoy this 
I was still very cynical at the time, very skeptical and very cynical. Like, this is a joke. This will never work. This is not going to, you can't really do this. And, but I luckily had like 1% of openness to the the idea of it. (laughs) So you're Uh, telling me there's a chance. So there was a chance. And it was so funny because I remember like being, I remember thinking, what was funny at the time was I, I wasn't, I was super not fulfilled in my work. Mm-hmm. I wasn't enjoying my my life very well. I didn't have really a great friendship, uh, yeah. friendship network, all these things. But it, but I was so arrogant to think I, I don't need this crap or whatever it was. And I remember thinking that I was in a pretty, uh, probably one of the darker points of my life. And mm-hmm. and so luckily again, I had that one percent of of openness to it, and you know went and kind of explored it more, and then did a four month training, which is not necessarily what I recommend people do now. If people come to me and say, Hey, I'm interested in becoming a coach. I tell them don't do one of those four month trainings because it's, it's a lie. <laughs> you know, like it takes, it takes a number of years to really, yeah. really build into something uh, typically, unless you have an insanely great network, but still you need to develop the acumen as a coach. Yeah. So the 1% in me and, and went and, and I did a training and then it kind of lit a fire in me. And yeah. I, and I thought I've got to figure out how to do this. And, and then I spent about four years fumbling my way through it between business licenses and yeah. other trainings and figuring this thing out and really screwing up. And I could, we could do a whole podcast on like all the mistakes I made the first four or five years <laughs> and, and like, you know, really embarrassing ones and just figuring it out. And there'd be nights where you just like, am I totally, am I about to be found out that I'm just terrible as a human and, and mm. go back to my relegated, you know, job and, and, and in a cubicle or something like that. Yeah. So some and of the emotions you felt at the beginning of that period, like would have been, you know, you had, it sounds like there was fear. Yeah. Yeah. Fear, embarrassment, shame, downright. I'm a loser. Mm-hmm. Who do I think that I am? I'm pathetic. And, you know, you come home after a day where you didn't make any sales or whatever. Like, you know, like there's those moments where yeah. you like the deep dark night of the soul where do I have what it takes to do this? Will I ever be good at this? Will I ever make money at this? Should I just, should I just go get a job? Should I just, whatever. And uh, so those definitely the vibes for the first few years, or I shouldn't say all the first few years, but definitely weaved in there. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think if there were an entrepreneur who would say that they didn't experience those things, yeah, I would question (laughs) whether or not they were telling the (laughs) truth because those are the very real things that we feel. And so as you're going through this and you're facing these challenges and you're facing yourself, what kept you motivated and how did you overcome those? What really kept me motivated, uh, and I remember specific points, you know, those give up points. And for me, there was just something burning inside of me that it just, this is what I have to do. This is my calling, if you will. This is like the soul's work. I have to find a way to make this work. You knew there. it without a shadow of a doubt. You knew that and you knew like, I can't give up. This is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, there's a book I read called The Talent Code. They describe it, there's a quote in the book that describes it as like, you know somebody's gonna become a master of something when they have, they, they either have or they've developed what they they call a quote, a rage to master mm. something. And for me, there definitely was that. And I don't know if it was natural or if it was developed, but I, I, I had a rage to master it. Like, I can't stop learning how to do this better and reading more about it and getting better at it and throwing myself into it and figuring it out. And I don't care how many times I have to fail. I don't care how stupid I have to look. I don't care if, the, if I'd be embarrassed. I will find a way to impact the world through this coaching work. And, and that was definitely present. And my only fear in saying that is if somebody's sitting there going, well, I don't have that. 
my guess is everybody on the planet has it with something. Sometimes people will give up because like, well, I don't feel that rage to master. I don't feel that depth of calling right now with this. And so sometimes that can be a little bit defeating for people. And my invitation is, is for people to get out and explore more things because I'm certain if you explore enough things, something that you come across will, will evoke that within you. And most people just aren't willing to explore long enough or look stupid enough or be embarrassed enough or fail enough or get rejected enough uh -huh. to find it. Because for me, it, it's the messy mechanics of finding your, your calling is, is fighting through the mud with it and finding it that way. That's so good. And that's so, so true. I think so many times, even with college students entering the work world for the first time and they have all these expectations you know, in these dreams and, and excitement and then yeah. reality comes and they find so many, I think, find, oh, this is not what I expected. Then they kind of hit this crisis of purpose in a sense. Yeah. And yeah. you, I mean, you have just really explained like this crisis of purpose. And then when you found the purpose, you still have this crisis to overcome all the challenges that come along the way in order to become a master and expert or professional at it. Yeah, definitely. So is there like one particular experience or situation that stands out in your mind as one of the most challenging situations you had to overcome or maybe even yeah. with a client, a situation yeah. where you really felt like discouraged or how am I going to yeah. do this? There, there was a church that I was going to in, in Northern California, and, and there was a retreat that we were doing, and it was probably 35, 40 people, like, which was the, a good portion of the church at the time. It was a newer church. And, and I was leading an exercise. I guess it was more of an in-depth exercise than I realized, and I was so new at it, and so I didn't set it up well. I didn't kind of set the context or whatever. I just jumped into it and didn't go well. It, it's an exercise designed to expose people's blind spots right <laughs> and and i'm i'm all excited about because i have so much energy i'm like man this stuff's like it's it's helped me see learn about myself and i'm like growing and of course everybody wants this right and so i just jump right into it and and no joke i think i thoroughly pissed off everybody in the room that day even like the few people that were like really good friends of mine afterwards were like what was that? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a loser. And, and so it was so, like, I, I, I remember that. And I cherish those moments because those, those are where you grow. But it was, mm. I just remember that whole night just laying in bed and just thinking, well, now I suck at what I do and I have no more friends. And I just, like, laid there. I was like, well, I guess you only go up from here or something. I don't, I don't know what it was. And, and so, yeah, it was that, was, that was one of those moments. But really, you still had friends and you made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I still had friends. I made it. And again, I look. I honestly look back and I, I those are some of my favorite stories to tell. Because like like we, we talked about before we even jumped on here is just great story. Like nobody wants to watch a movie without the struggle. Right. 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 Anytime you're developing a story for marketing or branding or whatever right. it is. It's, That's boring. It, it's super boring <laughs> because... Nobody can relate to it because everybody knows what it's like to to have those moments. And one of my favorite inspirational figures is Sarah Blakely. Mm, yeah. And and she talks over and over again. I mean, she like recently she was doing stand up comedy because she was trying to figure out ways to stretch herself in areas that she might fail. Since so she like made a billion dollars starting a company and doing really well. And oh, wow. like right. And so now she does things. She has, she has to be on the hunt for things that might embarrass her or she might fail at. 
you know, she's done really well at business and she's learned a lot and she's an inspirational figure. And yeah, it's really powerful because that's the stories that we want to hear about is how you started Spanx in your apartment in some small place. Right. And now it's worth a billion dollars, right? Right, right. Why do you think people often fail doing what you do? Oh, man, why do people fail at it? I would say typically there's a couple of things that come to mind for me. One is they quit too soon. Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest one is, is I mean, it takes a ton of, of kind of grit, if you will. Yeah. And, and then the other one would be is, I would say, frankly, it's like they're not willing to look stupid enough. Mm. They're not willing to expose themselves, expose the unflattering parts of them, ex- explore their blind spots, receive really powerful feedback in a way that's, that's resourceful. They're just not, they're not committed to the level that they, that they must be committed to. Cause for me, you know, I've known a handful of people that, that can, that have gotten so good at this, that they don't have to actually live it in order to be good at it, which, which is really interesting. Cause it's a, for me, the coaching business is one that's predicated on a high level of integrity, meaning you live what you coach people on. Yep. And, and so for me, most times it, it, people aren't willing to live, live it as well. And so they're not willing to really dive in and, and, and go for it. And yeah, so mm. I'd say that's the, that's the main thing. They're not willing to look stupid enough. What do people often get wrong about you and your work? Oh, gosh. Uh, probably the biggest one is is like people will think that, oh, I just help people set goals or help people mm. cr- clarify their vision, which is funny because like that's what's funny is if you polled all of America and ask them if they have a clear vision, <laughs> it, like most people don't, which is kind of funny. Um, right. I was just thinking actually as if helping people set their goals set goals wasn't valuable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I think most people are kind of, and this is where people con themselves is that is people will, they pretend like they've got great goals and a clear vision, but they don't. And they're unwilling to admit that or come to to grips with like, Hey, my vision isn't clear. My goals aren't clear. They're not ambitious. They're not thrilling enough. Mm. And, and that's, and that's the moment, you know, somebody is coachable when they're willing to say, Hey, there's at least 1% of my area of my life that I want to be more thrilling or want to be more clear or my purpose to be more clear here. Mm-hmm. And some people just, they'd rather go around pretending everything's great. And, and, and again, there's a certain percentage of their life that's probably phenomenal. And it's, it's when a person goes, gosh, there's this 10% or this 1% or this 15% that, that isn't thrilling for me. And I really want it to be thrilling. And that's when it makes sense to engage a coach or whatever it is. And, and that's, that's, so I'd say people, what people get wrong is, they underestimate the value of having a really clear, thrilling vision and set of goals and a strategy to get there. And then having somebody alongside of you that you regularly are talking with to see if you're actually doing what you say you're going to do. So once, cause once you clarify the thrilling vision, then it's actually executing it because you can have this great thrilling vision. And if you don't ever execute on it, uh, then, then it won't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say people underestimate the value of it and they settle for a, a mediocre vision usually is what happens. And then they just kind of do their thing and they think, well, you can't have it all. So let's just go about life. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about the those beginning years of getting started and getting things off the ground and, and learning from your failures and your mistakes and the vision that you set, how would you describe where you are today and where you want to be? down the road and around the corner. So, so today I'm at a place where 
I, I take on at a max 14 clients at a time. Mm-hmm. So I, so I, and, and so in the future that will parse down, I'll probably go down closer to 10 or eight clients at a time. Yeah. And it'll be more intentional, clear clientele. And, and the reason for that is there's a lot of different reasons for that. One is I want to free up time to work with like two pro bono clients potentially at any given point in time Yeah. that are very, very hungry and they're very strategic. Like they're, Maybe they're running a nonprofit and mm-hmm. there's not a huge budget for something or whatever it is. And so uh, something like that where I can or I can coach the mayor of a city or whatever yeah. it is. The CEO of our coaching firm right now is is coaching the, the mayor of Compton in, wow. in the Los Angeles area. And it's and it's so fun and inspiring to think that we could coach political people or city officials or whatever that that are really feet on the ground trying to make a difference or making a difference in our yeah. communities. And so for us, figuring out how do we make the most impact is is crucial. And mm-hmm. and so coaching coaching great leaders. And, and then I want to free up a lot of time. So I do I do a lot of volunteer work in prisons. I love that. And I absolutely love it. And I get to take what I do into prison work. But when I go, it's not like a, it, it, most of the prisons I go to are two to three hours at least of a drive from my place or a bus ride with, with an organization I uh, called The Five Ventures, which does really great work. And so it's a, it, usually it's an entire day dedicated to it. And so I, I want to do more of that. And as you can imagine, if you've got a full client load, it's, it's a little more challenging to do that and take the time. And so there, so it's that, and there, I, I could go on and on, but there's so many things I want to do ambitiously in terms of volunteer work or strategic consulting work, bringing what I've done into different sectors that it isn't usually approachable. That's where I see myself continuing to go into the future as I move forward. That's so awesome. If you could change anything. <laughs> anything. Oh, man. If you could change anything. I, I might lower the state income tax in California. <laughs> <laughs> Good um, if I could change anything, gosh, I was actually talking with a guy about this recently, that one of the, the biggest heartbeats for me is that there's some people on the planet that don't have the same opportunity as other people. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that bothers me. That, that keeps That's what keeps me up at night is to where some people are born, whether it's whatever, you know, just they're born in situations that aren't right, that don't give them a fair shake. And that's that, out of their control. Yeah, it's out of their yeah. control. And it just it that that really gets to me because especially with somebody who was, say, born into a really, really fortunate situation mm-hmm. when they're unwilling to look at the reality that not everybody was born with the same opportunity, mm-hmm. that that's really tough for me. And I part of me wants to communicate to those people that, that, that you know, that wasn't you know the case. And so I, I love the idea of bringing people from very vast different backgrounds into the same conversation to talk about those things with a with a context of it, it's about listening to somebody's story. It's not yeah. about what's right and wrong politically. It's not, you know, it's not that kind of stuff. It's just, hey, let me hear your story. And mm-hmm. I think that's the most beautiful thing when we get around the campfire and we talk about our stories and we just, I respect you because, mm-hmm. you know, you were born in Florida or you were born in India. You were born in, you know, Canada or, I mean, wherever, right? You were born in this neighborhood or whatever. Like, I love just hearing people's stories. And so if I could change anything, we would start listening to each other's stories more and stop getting so, stop mm-hmm. having to be so political or dogmatic or whatever it is. And maybe we can move into some of those conversations. But first and foremost, it would be valuing every human as a, as a human and yeah. respecting their story and where they've come from without feeling like we have to, like, I don't know, jump into something that we have to, you know, change about it. Yeah. Yeah. And right now, that principle is 
I think needed so, so deeply in an authentic uh, way. And I think part of the power of what you just said is that we, when we do that, when we understand someone's story before we present solutions or, you know, try to tell someone what to do or how to change it or, or judge them, we practice empathy and we practice respect. I mean, oftentimes these are things that we need in work and in companies and in marriage and in life. And we need it with people that we don't know as well as with people that we know really well. It's a powerful practice to give someone the kind of respect to understand their story before you try to change their story without their permission. Exactly. That's the thing about listening people I don't think get is, Mm. is how, and I actually learned this about myself not too long ago, like a, like a renewed version of it. I was like, Oh wow. Like I, I listen. And as a coach, sometimes I can tend to listen with like a solution in mind or what's the next best question. Right. Mm -hmm. Rather than really like attuning just to like really just listening to this person. Yes. And like, I don't need to have a great question. I don't need to have a great comment. I don't need to have some quip like, Oh, I'm a coach. I'm a cool thing. Whatever. Just like, Oh, I can just listen. And yep. just take in a person for, for who they are and just listen to them. We're not very good at that as a society. <laughs> no, no, it's hard. And we feel like, you know, I feel like that's a muscle we build yeah. over time. We build that Agreed. muscle of empathy and active listening, active yep. listening. <laughs> yep. What practices would you say have moved you towards success? I'll kind of rattle off a few that come to mind for me that they're kind of daily things. So I've created a document that I, that I work with and sometimes I work with clients on it for a number of months, but it's a document of, of essentially who I'm committed to be for the world and who I am. And, and I read it every morning and every night. So, so it helps me stay grounded and really clear on who am I? So I don't lose sight of like who I am and, and what's the impact I'm, I'm actively creating in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, because for me, language and our thoughts and everything are a creative act. And if I wake up and first thing in the morning and I look at the news or social media, I'm already starting to like be reactive rather than creative. Yeah. And so for me, it, it is like almost like it, I'm not into religion, like religion, religion a ton, but like it's a religious, it's a discipline for me. Yeah. It is like I wake up and I read my document. And before I go to bed, I read my document to stay connected to it. And so again, with the idea that I, I'm creating as I go into my day, yeah, yeah. that's, that's a huge one. I've had a coach for one of like most of the last 10 years. I currently work with a coach. I would not work with a coach and have a coach. And it, for me, because if you believe in the work itself, mm-hmm. the work is very generative. And so if, if for me, it's like if you're a coach and you don't have a coach, it doesn't make sense to me really. Right, right. And, and so I've, I've had a coach for most of the last 10 years. And so I, even just showing up once a week for 30 minutes and talking to somebody, I mean, there's a a metaphor we have that somebody came up with in the coaching work. That's like, they call it the lamppost metaphor. And it's basically saying that if you stopped on your way home from work once a week for an hour and talked to a lamppost, it would be beneficial for you to get, get out of your head. Right. And uh, it can be helpful for newer coaches as they're learning. It's like, just be 1% better than a lamppost <laughs> as you're, as you're like getting your that's feet good. under you as a coach. Right. It's like, it's like, Hey, just, even if you just sit there and listen to somebody for an hour, like that can be powerful. Now obviously coaching is so much more than that. So showing up on a regular basis and mm-hmm. giving account of 
like, did I lean in this week? Did I not? Mm-hmm. Even if you did that with, again, almost anybody, it can be beneficial. And, le- and then if you do it with somebody who's a skilled technician at, at understanding limiting beliefs, understanding problems that you don't see, blind spots, giving feedback, leaning in, pushing, whatever it is, yeah. like not letting you off the hook, challenging you, that, that all makes it better. Frankly, there won't be a day, probably the rest of my life, I don't have a coach. Yeah, it all comes back to creating value, serving, and making an impact, which I love. You know, you talk about coaching is for people who have made a resolute decision to forever explore their capacity to make a difference and leave a legacy and achieve seemingly impossible results and live life to the fullest. I love that. Why is that one of the things you feel like? And you list criteria where you talk about if if any of these apply to you, then coaching is not for you. And one of the yeah. things is if you are not excited about exploring generosity or leaving a positive impact in the world, then coaching is not for you. Why have you chosen to connect those two things? One of our, and this is one of the things I love about the firm I'm a part of. And a lot of this, I've, I, you know, I had some of this in me, obviously. And then in our CEO, Jason Jaggard, he he lives and breathes this idea of generosity. And so as a result of knowing Jason, I I become more generous. And one of our goals as a firm is that our our clients become more generous. Like we just want them to be giving more money and time and energy and stuff away. Because for us, we have this belief around generosity is that it, it always circles back around. So with with coaching, with generosity and, and impact is we find that when, when somebody is connected to the idea that them really living a great life is connected to them serving the world around them is intrinsic it for me it has to be present think about like from from faith type of stuff and depending on who's listening whatever it is but like most people respect jesus right and he Mm -hmm. said you know when you when you give your life away you'll find it Mm -hmm. and so for us wherever somebody stands faith wise it's a principle it's like of you give your life away and you find it Mm -hmm. and and it's so important i think for that and so for us it's like that's what generosity is it's not just a a financial thing where I give my mm-hmm. money to something. Although I think that is, it's a really good tell. If somebody's generous, usually they're giving away their finances as right, well because right. they don't want to be held by them. I think it's more importantly, it's given your your talents and your treasures and your intellect and whatever it is. It's something that just oozes out of you. Yeah. That you're generous and giving away love, money, like whatever. Yeah. You know, you're just like, ah, I have it. I'll just give it away. Like, and because you know that it, it, it self-generates itself again when you give it away. Yeah. Yeah, and when, you know, I often find that a lot of our most creative, impactful, valuable work comes when our eyes are not on ourselves, but our eyes are on where is the need? Yep. What is the need? How can I serve that need? How can I help take away the gap in that need? Which in essence means you are thinking about other people before yourself. If you were to speak with someone or coach someone who was looking to create uh, more impact either in the work that they're already doing or they want to start something, but they're, they're on fire to make a positive impact or more of an impact, knowing what you know now and what you do, what is one piece of advice you would give someone? The one piece of advice I would give towards making a difference, I would say be willing to get to get in the middle of things. Mm-hmm. Be willing to throw yourself in. Don't 
don't just be a bystander. So when I do the prison work, for example, it's like I go into prisons. Some of them are maximum security prisons. I go in there and we hug and listen to people's stories and you let your heart get broken. I mean, I had to, it got to the point with that where I realized we have a team call with our, with Novus Global every Wednesday. And I got on a call one morning. I had been in prison all day Tuesday and came home and then I was on a team call on Wednesday morning and, and I was a wreck. And I realized at that point, I was like, I got, I need to put time in my calendar, like the next day after I'm in prison, because it is heavy. It's very heavy. So my, my piece of advice would be, don't be afraid to, to hurt. Don't be afraid to see the things, whether it's something going on in a third world country or your own backyard or in the prison system or domestic violence or poverty or hunger or whatever, you know, whatever it is, because it's like, we don't need a person on the sideline. It's not it doesn't doesn't resolve anything. We got to have people that are willing to jump in and get their get their hands dirty, and and just dive in and, and like feel the pain. You got to get close enough to the pain to to really feel it, and that's what causes people to move into action with it. Yeah, and you have no regrets from stepping into the pain. I don't have no. I don't have any regrets. I, I mean, it's it's like a tough thing because I'm on. It's like it is. There's a lot of benefits to isolating yourself from it. Mm -hmm. Um, because even as I talk about it I like I go like I start thinking about it right and and I haven't because of COVID I haven't been into a prison for a number of months now which has been abnormal for me for the last few years I've been in prison a couple times a month almost Mm -hmm. and um and so I'm like I'm missing the the folks in prison and wondering how they're doing and and Mm -hmm. so I like for me it's brought me in a greater uh, depth of connection to my emotions and so I wouldn't trade that for anything, even though it hurts. I think maybe a really beautiful way to end is if you could share for you one of the most impactful things you have received from the work that you've done, whether that's in prison or coaching clients that you've received in return for yourself. Yeah, there was, uh, I'll try not to, I'll probably get choked up, but there's a moment where I was sitting there and there was a room, like a gymnasium type of room. And there's probably a hundred of the folks in prison. And it was, what's fun about the organization I do work with there is they call them entrepreneurs in training. Cause they do like, they basically mm. do business skills training and entrepreneurial skills training. And so they, rather than calling them prisoners or whatever you want to call it, they call them entrepreneurs in training or they even use, so they use like the idea that they, you're like your CEO of your new life. Oh, that's and, so good. Yeah. And I remember sitting there one time and I was sitting next to this guy named Clyde and there, they had from the program that, that we were doing, there was a graduate that had graduated from the program and now was not in prison anymore and not in a correctional facility, was outside. And he came back to volunteer for the day and also to speak to the to the, the crew. And he was telling his story about how he got out and he had started a business and it was it was working and he had mentors on the outside that were helping that were involved in this organization. And, and I remember Clyde looks over to me and Clyde's probably a, I guess he's a 60, 65 year old guy. And with the biggest grin on his face, he like points towards the stage and he goes, I want that story. Like I, that, I that's going to be me, you know? And, and I just like lost it. Right. I'm just like, it, because if, if for people that are listening to this, if, if we had half, if we had 25% of like that gusto that Clyde had mm. of like, ah, that's going to be me. Like when we looked at somebody like a Sarah Blake, that's going to be me. Or we looked at somebody like, uh, you know, like Amanda and Adam, it's like, that, that's going to be me. Like I'm going to, I'm going to start my own company. I'm going to serve the world powerfully. Mm, like mm. that, that's it for me. That's the thing I received from the work that I'm doing. Cause the work that I'm doing coaching wise is what had me end up in the prisons. And then the work in the prisons is what brought that into my life. And I remember I said about that. I've thought about that every 
every week since I was there. It's probably about a year ago that that happened. And I think about Clyde all the time. I'm like, man, like Clyde, Clyde yeah. changed my life. Like, and I hope that I wake up each day and I go, that's going to be me, right? Whatever, whatever it is I want to go after, whatever impact it is I want to create, whatever generosity I want to bring to the world. Like that's my, that's my ambition. Oh, I love that. And the picture, the image that I get is of this man who has faced, probably faced challenges that are greater than what most of us understand. Maybe yeah. regrets and shame greater yep. than many of us understand. But yet someone who is looking at the world with a fire in his eyes and a decisiveness about his future that is just a really powerful image that should challenge all of us to say like, if Clyde can grasp a vision for his life like that, we all can. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's been in prison for over 35 years. Oh my, oh my. Right. So like, yeah. So it's like, if somehow, I mean, I thought if I was in prison for like two years, I feel like, I would have no ambition left, but, but yeah, it, it was heartbreaking. Right. And, and, and I can't wait to see him on the outside. That is powerful. Dave, yeah. we are incredibly grateful for you. Yeah. What you're doing matters. Thank you for sharing your experience and your lessons and, and motivating and encouraging and hopefully inspiring so many leaders. You're awesome. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you. It's a, it's a great honor. Thank you for listening. For more resources like this, as well as articles and videos by all of our coaches, go to novus.global and click on resources. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. That helps us out a lot. Rate and leave a review. If you didn't like us, just leave us alone. We drop new episodes every week and we don't want you to miss out. If you want to explore hiring a Novus Global Coach or becoming an executive coach at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching, email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. And remember, dare to go beyond high performance.